Prepare to have knowledge bestowed upon you. Here comes the number one podcast for Dynasty Fantasy Football, half PPR, 10 and 12 man leagues, the Fantasy Podfathers. The world of fantasy football has so many people who have played uh, played off of different words and stuff, right? Like I'm right. Just trying, just trying to think of like... Uh, and every clever name is already gone, I'm sure. Oh, we can. We're we're good at that. We'll we'll come up with something. <laughs> well, that was the thing in the middle of the last one. I, I made a couple of comments about how half-assed it was, and I was like, "Huh, that would be yeah. pretty decent, right?" That's right. us, right? Uh, you know, good try. <laughs> Maximum effort. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> A little this effort. Is a maximum effort fantasy podcast. <laughs> about a um, dirty dynasty yeah. podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, um, actually, are you rolling right now? Yeah, yeah. We can just start whenever. I'm going to take a, a random guy right now. Uh, I'm going to look at my screen. I see Jamar Chase is up for an article that I've been reading about, right? Right. And. If I want to go out right now in the world of fantasy football and read an article that says Jamar Chase is going to be a top 10 wide receiver by the end of the season and a a top five dynasty player for the next decade, I can find that article. I can back up my own opinion as much as I want. Right. Everybody's taken every side of every argument already. Right. And on the flip side, you could go out and find the argument that says exactly that, that he's going to be the 50th wide receiver on the year. The matchups he've had so far favoring him. T. Higgins is out, and, you know, he's had like two breakout plays. If you take those two out, he's the wide receiver 63. So it's all spin. It's how you want to look at it. And and both can make their cases pretty convincingly. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can be swayed by both arguments like, wow, you know, it used to be you could kind of read a guy and be like, oh, that takes full of shit. Now it's like, well, there's enough numbers and scenarios where you can break down and say, well, favorable schedule and, you know, they're not getting pressure on Burrow and, you know, that line's going to show itself sooner or later. And it's, yeah, I could buy either one. Right. And then you're all, you also get in the world of just statistics, right? The data that we have right now, um, yeah. it's it's through the roof. So you're sitting there too. Uh, you know, we started playing fantasy football not to make ourselves sound old, um, but you had catches, which even back in the day weren't even worth points. I mean, that's oh yeah, right, right, right. It was it was yardage and touchdowns. No, I and, played in high school. It was straight touchdowns or breaking a yeah. hundred yards. Right. Right. And then, that was and then it. the next step of, of 100 yards was you got one point for every 10 yards. So if if your guy uh, had 99 yards receiving, that was nine points. Oh, yeah. No, the league right? I played in, if you got 99 yards, you got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you had to break 100 to finally get something. And I got guys that I work with that have been playing since the 90s in these same leagues. They still play touchdown only scoring. It just yeah. blows my fucking mind. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is like if you want to talk about the absolute definition of playing a contest with no skill involved whatsoever, just fucking dumb luck. 
Right. I mean, was right. it 2002, 2003? Willie Parker would have 120 yards rushing, 60 receiving. Jerome Bettis would score three touchdowns on three carries. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's like, what? No way. Willie Parker is obviously the guy you want, but no, not yep. in that league. You know, when you when you say that, my brain immediately goes to uh, Chris Johnson and Lindell White. Mm. I mean, I think Lindell White. I, I could be wrong here. I I got to look this up as we're talking, but I think I think Lindell White had a year where he had like 13 touchdowns, and he was not even close to being the uh, a, yeah. a, a good running back. He just <clears throat> happened to Chris Johnson got down there all. The time and With like a 20 percent just... snap share and you know 2.9 a carry just a, a terrible metrics but by the goal line yeah, yeah which no. i guess is a good a place for us to start as any is scoring i mean yeah. um <clears throat> especially when you're setting up a dynasty if you're new to this first thing you do in any league honestly is go look at the scoring because that changes your values night and day oh for sure and uh, that's actually why I got into being a fantasy commissioner because I am so OCD with those points. Um, Brett Favre had a game where he threw like four interceptions against me, but those didn't ding him. And he had like 400 yards passing and three touchdowns. So this guy had a terrible day, uh, you know, just kept turning the ball over, over and over, but he's put up like 50 on me. And yeah. I was just like, this will not stand. I And uh, I, yeah, I had to go change all the scoring to make it a little more realistic. So definitely before you set up your team and do your draft, start with your scoring. Yeah, I, I agree because you're going to find, um, well, I guess let's say the biggest difference out there is um, the PPR aspect, the points per reception. Um, yeah, it's probably you, the biggest fluctuation. Yeah, and you, you either are going to have zero points per reception, you're going to have a half point for reception, you're going to have one point for reception. And that is that changes most – running backs in a big way are, are affected the most by that. But that, that yeah. kind of changes um, how you draft, and it can take a guy like uh, – I know he was on IR this year, but James White's a great example of that and has been for the last uh, four or five years. Yeah, if, another if guy you, without a high snap share that gets right, his. Right, because he's a running back, and all of a sudden his value is he's the equivalent of um, – there's power running backs out there that just don't get catches. Um, let's see, relevant to this year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say James Conner is the first example that comes to my head right now in Arizona. Um, he's just going to get carries. Anyone else that sticks out to you this year that's just a carry guy? I think of Chubb. Yeah, Chubb's definitely in that boat too. And so but I don't know if that's more just that the, you know they use the pass catching back more or if it's he's not <laughs> great at it, but No, it's 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 those guys where and Chubb Chubb fits that role. It's those guys where a team gets behind or it's third down or it's the two minute drill and they're on the sidelines. Well, and uh, that's the thing that gives his uh handcuff value too. Because right? you know he's going to be the one getting the bulk of the reception. So even if Chubb out snaps him 70, 30, he's getting a little extra gravy on all of those receptions. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I would say too here. So let's take that. Let's take a good comparison of what that really means. So if you've got, if you've got Chubb who you would say 90 rushing yards by running backs, pretty good, right? Yeah. yeah and that's standard that. scoring. Right. That's nine points. 
in doesn't matter if that's a, a half point PPR or a full point PPR. That's not affected by that. It's nine points straight up. So if I'm playing in a league that uh, that I've got James White, James White needs uh, a full point PPR. James White needs three catches and 60 yards to get that production. Right. Well, that's a pretty good gamble. A guy's only got to catch three balls. And really in in the world of uh, a guy like a James White, that means one 40-yard screen pass and two dump downs. And what, Chubb's going to take uh, 15 carries to get that same production? Yeah. And and I think guys shy away from the James White because he's never going to have two touchdowns and 130 yards on the ground. Right, he's not going to have that huge game that generally... Well, see, I don't know. I had him in uh, in the nasty. The nasty. A 10-man half PPR dynasty started by Ron and Jonah. Currently in its 11th season. In the first couple of weeks, and he was putting up 14 points because oh, he yeah. was... You know, when he gets that 60 yards rushing, that makes it a, a big day for him. Yeah. Whereas normally yeah. you're talking, you know, what if he had six catches for 40 yards, uh, you know, it's seven points right there. You drop 60 yards rushing 13, you know, he's already having a decent day. And if he uh, manages to steal one of those touchdowns, bang, he's looking at 1920 right there. Right. Right. Well, I, I like to, when we have these discussions, I like to uh, just give us some perspective on what's actually happening in the, in the NFL right now uh, when we're talking about this kind of production. So um, I like to throw out some, some guesses for you. Who do you think lead, uh, leads the NFL running back-wise for receptions this year? Running back? I, maybe Najee? You are correct, sir. Yeah, You're they've been dumping correct. it off to him like stupid amounts. We have uh, we have three players, and this is as we're talking here. We have played. What are we entering week five? Right, right. So going into week five, we have three running backs that have uh, twenty or more receptions on the season. Uh, we have Najee Harris with twenty six. Wow. We have DeAndre Swift with twenty three. Oof, I haven't watched him this year. And we have Chase Edmonds with 22. Damn. Um, and on that same thing, as far as target shares go, um, you've got those same three. But to go a little bit deeper, to make it a little bit interesting, uh, you have right below Chase Edmonds on targets, actually tied with targets, is Cordero Patterson. Wow. And uh, I'm going to throw out a name of a guy that you maybe don't have never even heard of, who's number five on the list of targets so far in the season at the running back position. All right. And this is a running back by the name of Jeremy McNichols. Mm, wow. Any I guesses think, on where he plays for? I did see him scouring the wire in one of those leagues, but I honestly cannot tell you where he is. He is the third string, uh, sorry, third down running back for the Tennessee Titans. Okay. Okay. So you've never, you've never heard of really, I mean, and and I would tell you, he's not a guy you would hear of. And um, even if you played in a super deep dynasty, maybe a stashed him on the bench. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I found him in a deep scour, but I didn't find him to be roster worthy. Obviously, if I don't have him, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you um, 
I, I always love doing this because it just gives you such perspective. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at a, a league that has a half point PPR right now to, okay. to give you some idea. Um, so what do uh, Damian Harris, starting running back for the New England Patriots, Michael Carter from the Jets, rookie, Miles Gaskin from the Dolphins, Josh Jacobs from the uh, Raiders, and Mark Ingram from the Texans all have in common. Uh, under five receptions? <laughs> They've all scored less points this year than Jeremy McNichols. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. Right, so it there's so much perspective on names. Now, again, it's only four weeks into the season, but it really gives you an idea of what a, a PPR – uh, can do for a, for a player and, and you might uh, name value might not be out there, but definitely this guy's got get his numbers on the year. It's nothing crazy. He has 15 catches for 134 yards and one touchdown and 29 yards rushing. But the guys that are below him on fantasy points are just, they're not getting the targets. So that's and like 20, 29 points roughly on the year. Yeah. Yeah, okay. 30, 30, 30.1 on the year. All right. And, Through and the, week four, so that's seven and a half a week. I mean, that's serviceable if you're in a pinch. Right. And so you're you're looking at this, and, you know, you see, like, there's a Miles Gaskin who is, you know, toted as possibly a sleeper going into the year. Uh, you see a Josh Jacobs, who we know he missed a game. So there's, there's oh, some true. injury factor there. Um, but, you know, you, you've spent so much draft capital on these guys, and then you've just got this this guy out of nowhere who's there. So, I mean, it just really shows you how important a PPR can be. Um, and let's have fun on that thing. Any idea who's leading the NFL uh, running back-wise in yardage scored? Yardage? On, sorry, receiving yardage. Oh, receiving yardage. Well, I bet Najee's up there in catches, but not in yardage. Um, McKissick? Uh, great Great, uh, great name out there. McKissick is actually fifth, hmm. and and Najee is actually ahead of McKissick. He is third. Okay. Um, DeAndre Swift is second, and Cordero Patterson is number one. Oh, that's right. He had that one huge game. Yeah, yeah. I had the pleasure of, of playing him uh, against <clears throat> him in that game. Yeah, I think I ran into him too. Um, it's just, God, it's painful to get done in like that. Oh, yeah, I mean, especially in a dynasty where, you know, it's like you didn't it's not like you held on to Cordero Patterson for oh, no. years and he's finally paying off. It's like you wire snatched him and just frickin pouched me with him. Right. And and here here's a guy who's like, if you're playing in a dynasty, for the love of God, go out today and try to sell Cordero Patterson. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, yeah, his numbers look great. Um, but but the thing is, like there's this idea of regression in football and uh, Cordero Patterson right now is on pace. Okay. So we've got, we've got 17 games this season, but let's say yeah. for the sake of fantasy football, we're going to say there's 16 games you're going to get out of it. So Cordero Patterson right now is on pace for um, 20 touchdowns on the season. Um, that's not going to happen. So 
go ahead and go out there and sell him with five touchdowns through four games. I guess it's more than that, isn't it? That's going to be, no, that's, that's right. So he's got one rushing touchdown and four receiving touchdowns on the year. Gravy. So, I mean, that, that's a, that's a sell high candidate right there. You know, that the next four games, there's no way he, he comes out of that with five touchdowns. Yeah. Shit. Probably not over the next eight. Right. Right. So I guess what we're talking about here is, starting a dynasty um looking at running backs make sure you're you're looking at these guys that uh that catch the ball because it's so important yeah and while we're on you know you mentioned dynasty i guess probably the smart thing to do would have been start by defining what a dynasty is Mm -hmm. and that's just literally you know in a one-year draft you come in you draft your whole team in a dynasty league you just keep your entire bleeping roster year after year (laughs) <laughs> yep so uh yeah it's it's not just uh playing the penny stocks and and a guy being worth something on the day of the draft i always think of uh when i think of that i always think of beanie wells yeah he was yep. a guy who was always you know gonna be something but he happened to have like a three touchdown preseason game while our draft was going on mm-hmm. so you got to just watch this guy's stock skyrocket off of this game because he only you're getting him for a year. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if you're looking at him long-term, you're like, okay, that's cool. But his five-year projection didn't change yeah. <laughs> based off that no. preseason game where nope. his four or five week projection it fluctuated hugely. And that's um, to me, that whole thing got to be tedious I'm in a mm-hmm. one-year league now with dudes making all these moves and I get all these offers and it's just fucking tiring. I uh, I like to have a strategy, get my guys, um, and, and that's it. You turn it over every year, and, and there's a hundred different ways, uh, strategies to do it, and I've yep. seen most of them work. Yep, yep. I would, uh, you know, let's talk about setting up your dynasty. The, so, so you've played fantasy football for a while. Maybe you've maybe you've dipped your toes in some fan duel. Uh, maybe you've played some DraftKings. Uh, keep that, the league with your buddies. Yeah. Where you get to keep one fucking player. Right, or just a redraft league with your friends. Yeah. Um, I would say the number one thing about playing dynasty football is make sure the league you're going into is full of solid dudes that have A, played football before, and B, are dependable. Because there is nothing worse than doing all the research, spending the time, and doing a dynasty draft and thinking long-term planning. And two years into the dynasty, you got six new six new GMs in there. And it just ruins it. Like, like it, there's no history there. A dynasty should feel like a dynasty. So, you know, if you're desperate and you've got 10 people in a league and one drops out, don't get your, your cousin's girlfriend in the league, <laughs> you know, like, like she's not going to be there anymore because, you know, your cousin's already cheating on her. Right. Right. He's and not very smart. Right. Right. And, you know, you, we've all got that cousin. And who's got some of us have a dozen or two of them. Yeah. Right. And, and if you got a dozen or two of them, that cousin might also fall in the same category. You might have cousin and then girlfriend cousin, (laughs) and you might, you you might get a two for one special there. So might be a little uh, bit too close for comfort. Yeah. They say the closer you get to the river. Right. 
if it's not legal for them to trade sperm, then they probably shouldn't uh, be in your dynasty league. Yes, exactly. And and uh, like I said, the first thing we pointed out earlier, obviously scoring. If you get into any league, go look at the fucking scoring. You yeah. have no idea how many times I've set up a league and I GM or a uh, commissioner most of the leagues I play in. Uh, set up a league, do the whole thing, and then have people asking you rudimentary friggin' questions about scoring. Like, how did you build your team? Right. If you don't know if we're a PPR or not, how the hell did you just go complete your draft? Like, right. thanks, I guess. So definitely go look at them. There's a hundred thousand different uh, leagues now that you can be in. They all have some variety of scoring sheet. Go find it before you do anything. For sure. For sure. I mean, Ron, you and I play in a league now that has uh, a different scoring system for the tight end versus the wide receiver as far as receptions go. Right. And, I've never, uh, never played in anything like that before. Which, in, which you know, when we looked at it, we, we knew that that inflates the tight end position uh, entirely. And so the value of that position goes way up. Uh, and luckily, which enough, I did like because it's such a thin position. I was just going to say, can, can you think? Can you think of a tight end besides Travis Kelce and Darren Waller this year that you look at your lineup and say, that looks good? Not even that. Do you have one that you would plug into your flex? Right. Oh, yeah. Like who would flex a second tight end? You'd have to either be absolutely loaded or a madman. Yeah. this scoring, I flexed uh, Dalton Schultz last week and got like 18 points. Yeah. Uh, Point and a half per reception. Shit. Six catches. That's like nine points right there. Even if he got zero yards, he got nine points off those receptions. Yeah. Uh, where do you think Dalton Schultz ranks this year as far as tight ends overall through four weeks? God, that question is a conundrum to me because if you, you play in a couple of leagues with me. So if you've seen my transaction history, you will know I added and dropped him between the four leagues. I'm in probably 14 times yeah. in the first three weeks. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, I want him to do it, but I keep waiting for Jarwin to take over and I don't think it's happening. No, I, I agree. What if I told you, and again, all of the, uh, all of the players I'm going to reference on this are going to be in a, a half point PPR league. Um, so what if I told you that Dalton Schultz is the fourth best tight end on the year? I would believe that I've, like I said, I've had him rostered half of the year in different leagues. And yeah, I mean, even when it, they started this season with him and Jarwin splitting catches pretty much 50, 50, but I watched that first game and it wasn't a matter of, that they were splitting the catches. It was when Schultz got him, he looked like he was going to do something with him. I don't know if Jarwin's still recovering and he did, he's down a step, but Schultz looked tight. And yep. that's when I said, I'm going to go grab him in every league where I'm short on tight ends. I I like that you said Dalton Schultz looked tight. Short. Because that's what a tight end should look like. Tight. Well, that's uh, that was actually infuriating me in the nasty. I looked last week. You realize there was what was it, three or four tight ends that I've drafted that people are starting now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yep. well, Kelsey's a no-brainer. That was before we had a practice squad. But uh, somebody was starting Higby, and somebody was starting Schultz, and oh, I guess it's just three. But still, three guys that I drafted are were starting that week, and I just shook my head as one of them played against me. Yeah, but 
but it's uh you know it it's pretty crazy you've got just look at this tight end landscape you've basically got six guys who have top 40 points on the year um and then you get to uh every every other tight end that started in a league for someone is scoring between 30 and 36 points there's about 15 guys that that sit there um and you know it's just take a shot in the dark in fact i would tell you there, there's good and bad on this yeah if you don't own darren waller or travis kels right now then don't worry about it because just go ahead and start a guy like really, just go ahead. If you're out there and being like, ah, should I should I start uh, Dawson Knox? He got a touchdown last week, or so should I grab Max Williams yeah. because uh, he he looked good in two games? Uh, you know, that's the boat I've been in in a couple of these dynasties. I had a guy, uh, a friend of ours, uh, who started C.J. Uzuma two weeks ago. Okay. He scored. I don't wish that on anyone, but yeah, you wouldn't think so. He was so desperate. He scored 24 points in that game. Shut the front door. Wow. Six, so going. Is he into, still in Cincinnati? Yeah. Okay. So, I didn't even know where the hell he was. Going into that game, the guy has exactly six points on the season. Comes off a game against Pittsburgh in Week Three with one target, and and this guy's desperate. He he can't pick up anything. It's a super deep dynasty league. So he just, he's like, Oh, I got to start CJ Uzuma. on my tight ends hurt. Gets him 24 points. Now he's, and he's worth it. So, but 24 points, like I told you, this guy has now 29 points on the season. That puts, (laughs) And it puts him at like tight end 16 on the year. So, wow. You know, I would, I would say that too, uh, starting a new dynasty and talking about the tight end position. Right. Um, if you don't get one of those top three or four guys, you're constantly just, building on it. Right. So just wait, you know, like I think, I think yeah. there's this, um, there's this preference to say, and I would say, do not draft this way in a dynasty. Uh, you know, when you do those live, uh, online drafts and it's got your roster on the side screen there and you're like, okay, I got my two running backs. Right. I got, I got my three wide receivers. I got to get a quarterback and a tight end before I draft another running back or wide receiver. No, you don't actually. You should. That doesn't apply to a one year and definitely not a dynasty. No. If you don't get a top tight end, then get depth at running back. Do do not go out and grab Dalton Schultz and leave a, a starting running back out on the table. You know, it's just because they Don't take Schultz so long to develop after they're drafted. There are very few guys that come in and are effective. Um, I'll tell the story in the nasty. I took a, a little known guy named Jimmy Graham in the mid rounds and banked out on that for many years. But uh, down the road, there was a rookie tight end. I took this guy in Kansas city and we didn't have roster space to hold this rookie because the, even a guy as as awesome as he is, he wasn't instantly seeing the field. No. He was barely getting catches. And, in, you know, if you don't have a practice squad, it becomes difficult to hold on to that guy for down the road. But right there, prime example, uh, let him sit on your bench. <laughs> Dalton Schultz, I drafted three years ago, and he's finally just, or four maybe it was. Um, he was absolutely useless in the beginning. 
I right. two years on my practice squad, called him up and cut him. I mean, it's yeah. it takes a while. It takes a while. And uh well let let's do a really relevant uh piece to that right now. So I would say dynasty or not this year going into it, people are always looking for that next tight end. It's it's always there. And you know, we've played in so many leagues together, Ron, that you know we've seen so many first round guys get take the first tight end off the board for dynasty, right? Yeah. It's like OJ so, Howard, OJ Howard, uh, Hawkinson, who's finally coming around. Um, who was it this year? Oh, um, that's the guy I want to talk about. It's Kyle Pitts this year, right? I yeah. saw, I saw He's Kyle getting the Pitts. most action for a rookie that I can recall. Uh, me as well. And, and I would say in non keeper leagues, this guy's going like fourth tight end off the board. Yeah. I had to do that. I, uh, I play a one year league with my family and uh, everybody good got snatched up, and I took the running back depth and said, "Fuck it, I'll uh, I'll get a tight end." And he fell to me in the mid rounds. So yep. I'm he's not uh, lighting the world on fire, but for a rookie, I'll, I'll take it. Well, you know, and what you should have done if you were thinking clearly, you should have gone out and drafted Max Williams and C.J. Uzuma and Tyler Conklin and Juwan Johnson and then Hunter Henry. So you could have more production than Kyle Pitts. Yeah, right. So it is definitely the thing where it's like, yeah, Kyle Pitts has is going to be an amazing tight end in the NFL, and you got to take that dice because you can uh, roll the dice because you can catch lightning in a bottle every once in a great while in a rookie. It's not saying it doesn't happen, but it's so rare. And Kyle Pitts is going to be a great tight end in the future. I have no doubt. And you definitely want to take him in a dynasty, but. Uh, if you take him in a dynasty, I would you're taking a rookie tight end in dynasty. Don't say, okay, I got my tight end. Yeah, I'm gonna plug him in and start him. Nope, no, you, no, not at all. Even which brings us uh to the next point I had on setting up your dynasty team. Roster build. You need to uh when you're in there dicking around in the scoring, like I told you, um also take a look and look at the positions, how many positions you're starting for each and flex. Um that other league you were talking about where we've got crazy tight end scoring. We also have um, a full flex and then there's a second wide receiver running back flex. So you have the option to play four running backs if you Mm -hmm. want to and uh, totally skews the value. So definitely um, look at that. Uh, Do you have a certain way that you set up your rosters when you build? Is there a set way you just uh, play it how you feel when the draft's going yeah, I think uh, I think I've learned a lot over the years of playing um, on on how I like to build a roster th- through honestly many mistakes that I've made. Um, <laughs> really, I mean, I, I guess your your real question to you in a dynasty is when you start, are you building to win now? Uh, that's true. Or are you a guy who's building to have a dynasty that maybe has a chance to win? Both. Three three out of five years, right? Because I'm doing both, damn it. Right. Well, yeah, and and of course, um, I think the challenge is in that league, where's everyone else at? Because if everyone else wants to go young, you can clean up going kind of middle range, right? Everyone always right. wants the new hot. Um, yeah, and there's right? certain guys that you forget, like Ronald Jones. Um, yeah, he's not seeing a lot of action, 
But you go look, he's still the youngest running back on that roster, uh, unless they got a rookie this year. But that Keyshawn Vaughn was drafted a year after him, like two years older. Like right. this kid's still uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of cases like that where you forget a guy, and uh, he's still. Uh, I'll 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 tell you a name right here, Josh Rosen. Yeah. You know where he is? Nowhere. No, he is. He's nowhere. He was no. somewhere. Where he is, is he now? He is the backup quarterback in Atlanta. No, I he got cut since then. I just looked at it in our dynasty like uh, a couple days ago. Oh, shit, he's back. Yeah. Oh, because uh, their backup tore his knee out. Okay. Yeah, yeah I was looking yeah. at, in that super deep dynasty of ours that we've referenced a hundred yeah. times. I was yeah. just scouring for rookies, and the Falcons had a rookie quarterback. So I thought, well, maybe I'll roster this bleeping guy. So I went and looked at their depth chart, Rosen's two. And then I looked at this rookie and thought, Rosen's only one year older. Like, it seems like he was drafted a hundred years ago, but it's like, shit, not only is he not like, he's still technically like young enough. He, you could develop him. Like he's, they haven't yeah, thrown in right? the towel on Rosen. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a nice example of, of the, uh, the problem in the NFL here too, where you're always looking for the next big thing. Uh, we used to, there used to be article after article, about the third year wide receiver breakout. Yeah, that was like the big hype. Right. Uh, before I move on too far with that, though, you're talking about like how you want to build your dynasty. And let's let's right. stay on stay on that, because I think it's. Uh, do you have a certain way you do it or do you just kind of, like I said, take the draft as it comes? I, I think I think what I've started to kind of do. And again, I, I love playing in dynasties. But if you play in dynasties, you know, you're committing to it. So I would say you don't have the experience as a redraft league. You don't do it that often. Right. So I've only done three setup dynasty drafts. And I, I'm kind of going back and, and looking right now at what I did in that draft. Um, yeah. Because we did this two years ago together. Um, I definitely would say if I'm building a dynasty, the number one thing that sticks out to me is as short-lived as they are, you have to have running backs to be winning any games in the NFL uh, in fantasy football. And when you get in these dynasty leagues, and let's preface this also by saying the size of the league matters on how you have to draft. So right. 10, 12 man makes a big difference. Right. If you're playing in a 14, well, you're just crazy, but that mm -hmm. makes a huge difference. Right. So I guess when I'm building my when I'm building the roster in my dynasty, I'm I'm looking for a top running back, and if if uh, and in in the first round, uh, I think you can get a top running back. Uh, you'll get one or two people who are going to take a Travis Kels. You'll get one person who's going to take a top end wide receiver. You're going to get someone who's going to take maybe the best quarterback off the board. But for the most part in my experiences in any draft, whether it be a keeper, a full redraft or a dynasty, it's going to go running back heavy at the beginning. Um, and so I like to nab at least one running back. And then I really like to play best available after that. Um, and I do value young, I do value rookies and young guys a little bit higher, obviously, um, especially early in, in, in the game. 
But uh, after that, I, I, you know, I guess it's just that thing of like, let it fall where it's going to fall. Um, yeah. <clears throat> great example. And I've brought up our draft from that. <clears throat> you took, uh, you took Patrick Mahomes in that draft with the eighth overall pick first, yes, wide receiver. which is very unlike me. I know it, it surprised me, but at the same time, um, so you want to talk strategy? I took Clyde Edwards Hilaire with right, my with, first. That with, was my first big surprise. Right, was pick six on that board because I was saying, you know, when's my next shot to get uh, a first round running back on the highest scoring offense in the NFL? Um, I knew he wasn't going to come back around to me. Um, yeah, the, for sure, no way. Right, but but I would tell you the guy right so. I picked six and you picked eight. So I took Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's young, unproven, real gamble. Right. Um, and then you took Patrick Holmes at eight. And the guy that went between us, between us was Derrick Henry. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, if I was in that um, want to win right now mode, That's I would pick. I would have gone Henry, but I'm I'm more building a dynasty. So um, exactly. You know, I have a little bit more time, and I can tell you, I've been offered Clyde Edwards Lair kind of started slow his first few games, and I've had a lot of trade offers come my way because of his age. And right. I, th- I think you've got a little bit more in a dynasty. You get this ca- trade capital based off the age of these guys, and really, a guy like Clyde Edwards Lair for three years, regardless of his He's production, still like twenty three or something, yeah his name is going to be where the value is because he's so young um, where Derrick Henry right now, clearly the, the best pure power running back in the NFL, probably the, I, I'm guessing at this point right now, he's got to be the highest scoring <clears throat> running back out there. Um, I would assume, but I don't follow players that aren't on my roster. So right. I don't really let's, let's just take a quick peek. Yeah. He's, he's, 20 points ahead of, of the next guy. So, I mean, he's just, he's just crushing it, but at the same hand, I guarantee uh, a Clyde Edwards Hilaire for Derrick Henry trade would be tough to pull off right now. As weird as that sounds, um, the guy getting, uh, Oh yeah, you wouldn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess, I guess I'm going to say to answer my question as I'm talking it through, I'm looking young, uh, at the early part of my draft. And then I'm looking for best available uh, after that. I, um, <clears throat> I guess I'll do it backwards. Yeah. What I like to, I have a certain format that I like to have my team laid out in. Usually you're talking like 18 to 21 players. I like to have three quarterbacks. I want a really young guy. I want a dude in his prime and I want a vet. Yeah. Um, as a, you know, Example in uh, the nasty, I had Herbert. Um, I still had Matt Ryan and Roethlisberger as vets, and then uh, uh, Mayfield kind of moving into that role. Um, that's the only position that is really the only position where I do that. I try to do a little bit of that at some of the others, but it's just it goes too much off talent for that. Um, like you said, I took Mahomes eight overall. That's not a thing I normally do in a dynasty. I'm usually wide receiver heavy at mm-hmm. the top because I want a guy with some longevity. But Mahomes is a bleeping unicorn. 
Yes. And uh, for him there, the way the rules are structured right now, uh, he could play for 15 more years yep. and, and be amazing. <laughs> yep. And he's yep. in a great spot with his, his offense, his coordinator, his coach. He signed a long-term deal. It's every single thing down my dynasty checklist he had. And it was like a no-brainer for me. And it felt really weird. You you did uh you did bring up a good point there, and I'll I'll touch base on on two different pieces for that. Uh, one is you brought up the contract situation, which is definitely something to consider. Um, and I guess uh, we can go both ways because I, I want to keep on comparing these two players as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Patrick Mahomes because I think it's a very different choices and really shows you different uh, strategies you can take. But I don't think there's a, a a better way to define these different strategies than this. Patrick Mahomes and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire are both uh, locked up long-term in Kansas City. Right. right. Good offense. Good offense. And, uh, you know, as, as much as our strategies are different, I'm going to tell you, we, we actually think very much alike because uh, I took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You took Patrick Mahomes. Uh, on the wraparound, I took Tyreek Hill. Ah, and I took uh, Kittle. You took Kittle. So elevated tight end scoring. Right. He had just signed a big contract as well. And as you were the one that really pointed it out to me, tight end usage and targeting varies drastically depending on the coordinator. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a tight end with a coordinator and a a quarterback, honestly, that both like him, because if uh, you can switch quarterbacks and have a tight end just disappear, that's one of those. And we've kind of seen that in San Fran. But yeah, that's uh, contract is one of the huge things I look for. And coordinator is another big thing, especially at those positions. Yep. Yep. I agree. Uh, I, the other thing I look for at tight end is I actually like a, uh, an inexperienced quarterback or a pocket passer when it comes to tight ends as well, um, because of the check down factor. safety blanket factor yep. for sure. Yep. Yeah. I, I just think you see, you see young guys now this, obviously everything has a different, uh, consistency there and obviously like Derek Carr and Patrick Mahomes who are feeding Waller and Kels they're not they're not they're young not guys it the same ways either yeah yeah they've established these relationships with these players because of contracts because those guys have been there long enough um but there is also just yeah that that check down aspect um, wasn't it you who followed Norv Turner everywhere he went as a coordinator I, I did and uh, every like wherever his tight ends are they are going to go ape shit and I yeah. watched you do it for the better part of a half decade and it was it was magical yeah I would say you know that was actually getting to the other piece I was going to talk on is look at your look at your offensive coordinator because um yeah because uh, y- you don't know uh some some offensive players don't use tight ends so don't exactly. even bother don't even bother um i am trying to it's funny you you say this i can't even remember the name of the, the guy that um took me to this uh <laughs> took me to a, a championship uh game be, because of what i was following and i'm gonna i'm gonna look him up as, as we're going here because i cannot remember this guy's uh name anymore which just tells you just like how much uh how quickly the landscape changes and what happened is this offensive coordinator left the browns um okay we're talking about a guy named jordan cameron (laughs) you remember jordan cameron 
Yeah, he was hot for a while. Well, he was hot for a while because of who his offensive coordinator was. Uh, and that offensive coordinator left the year after he was hot, and it went away. And Yeah, he was never, it, never heard from again. Nope, nope. So I, I guess, you know, when you're talking about setting up a dynasty, that's the other piece. Know the tendencies of these players. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for me was because when I first started playing fantasy football, uh, a good friend of ours uh, would cream me every every time I played him because he had this guy named Brian Westbrook. Oh, yes. Right. And that comes back to your PPR running back factor from right. earlier. Right. So when I'm looking and setting up about dynasty at pick six, I see a first round rookie running back playing for Andy Reed. Yes. In the league's highest scoring offense. I see PPR magic just sitting there. And I will tell you. Just a it, bucket of gold. It's fantastic. And here I am into season number two. The last two games, all of a sudden, he's got two pass-receiving touchdowns. And uh, you're like, yeah, it took took a little while to get there, but all of a sudden now the hype is is becoming real. So, you know, I didn't just take him because he was a first-round draft pick. I took him because of Andy Reid and because of that offense. So keep that in mind, too. He was even young coming out of college. Right. And he came out at like 23 or some shit like that. So he was, yeah, another guy who literally checked all of those boxes. I, you know, if you're looking to build a dynasty, like you said, it's a matter of how you, do you want to win now? Do you want to win later? Uh, and I say both. And that's right. where I take a guy like Mahomes. I'm locked in for 10 to 15 years. That position, check. It's done. I don't have to fuck with it anymore. I just need to get a solid backup somewhere down the road and, and I can just grab somebody young later and then let them sit. It's yeah. it's a great luxury to have. Well, uh, here, here's something that's really interesting too, as we, we talk about different draft strategies and, and, and let's, let's explain to uh, people who are listening right now where, where we currently sit going into uh, today. Last year, uh, I got second place in this league. Uh, and this year, you're sitting at the top of the standings through four weeks. Yeah, and I've right? stuck it together with Band-Aids and duct tape. It's been right? a miracle. But it just it just kind of goes to show right now, you know, different strategies can work. And I'm going to give you a, kind of a stat on our two teams. You did not draft a running back until rounds – or uh, sorry, a rookie – until round 16 that year in the original draft in the original draft okay your first rookie off the board yeah i went light on him was dj dallas at pick 16 5 okay wow. so which is you know you but what i'm saying is that was your strategy and you're now in first place year two year one for me i drafted uh clyde edwards hilaire in the first Dobbins in the third, uh, Pittman in the 10th, and Herbert in the 13th round. Yeah, and that's honestly um, the thing. That's what really screwed me is initially that draft was supposed to be just veterans. So mm -hmm. I spent a week and a half setting up my dynasty board in a manner where rookies were not on it. Right. And then when, when the draft came, they went so much higher than I had them pegged. I, but I just had to roll with my board. Yep. 
And yep. I thought, well, shit, you know, uh, like we're talking about the life cycle of a player at a position, obviously quarterbacks, the longest, probably wide receiver and then running backs down there. I thought, well, shit, if I have to be bad at one position, let's make it the one that I can cycle through the fastest. Um, you know, I got, I draft a guy like DK Metcalf where I feel like I can be set for years and, uh, right. Mike Evans still pretty young. Yeah. Yep. So I didn't take rookies, but I still took, I, I took, put age as a huge factor. Oh, for sure. Well, and there's, there's less risk of, uh, of a guy being a bust if you, uh, if you draft a proven player. Right. Right. So, I want to see a track record too. It's right. a little dicey right. to, to go. I got burned with that in the nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit. We've talked a little about building your dynasty. Let's let's talk about what do you do if you're doing well, and what should you do if you're not doing well. Um, you know, let let's first of all let's just say this: it's week four. It doesn't matter if you're four and zero or zero and four. Don't panic. Or and, and and as a point to that, uh, I will point back to week one before we got started, where I messaged Jonah and was like, "Well, this team's fucked. I gotta blow it up. I gotta start right. all over. It's such a mess." Now I'm what sitting at three and one, first place in that league. Right. <laughs> You're like, right. I I was like, I gotta blow this whole thing. And what it came down to was that my uh, running backs were shit. Right. Well, Everything and, else was great. Right. <laughs> And uh, my response to you was probably like, well, you sound like me from five years ago. Right. <laughs> right. Where I would take a team, uh, not feel good about it after week two, trade away some of my good aspects for guys that I thought were up and coming, uh, which is silly, which is straight up silly um, to do. Because, you know, like like you said, I look at your roster. I'm going to go in and look at your uh, starting kind of your starting lineup. Which league? Uh, I'm looking in Flea Flicker right now, okay. the, our, our big 12-man league, and I see that you've got um, Mahomes and Metcalf and Evans and Kittle, who's on IR right now, Dalton Schultz. But you're rocking Tony Pollard, Mike Davis, and James Conner. Yeah, that's painful. But it's not. Well, and that, it hasn't you know, been. It's... I know. It's just that's what's so funny. Is It should be. It right? should be really bad to be starting right? those three guys. Right. And, and I said, that's two tight ends. I started Schultz as well. And and I guess going to that two plane dynasty football and knowing the size of the league uh, and the challenge of it is that if you're looking at your running backs and being like, uh oh, I guarantee. Oh, shit, I just realized I'm four and oh. Yeah, you're four and oh. Fuck, I thought I lost one in there. No, no, no. You're, God you're damn, the, man. <laughs> you're, the, you're the only undefeated team. Now. Holy shit. Here's the thing, though, and let's talk about this, too. You are. Um, <laughs> you are. Oh, my God. You are eighth in points forced on the year. So you're you have scored the eighth least points on the season. Nice. But you're four and oh, um, that's the Jedi powers, man. Fortuitous scheduling. And let's talk about that piece too. Like, please take note of your scoring system and and where you actually sit versus your record on where you what how you're doing with points before you make any moves, right? Yeah, like, because uh, looking at if you just looked at my four and zero, oh, you'd be like, oh man, and then you yeah. realize that the running back positions held together with duct tape and wire, 
and uh, maybe I'm not so unbeatable. And and I would say that like like your record is not the indicator of how your team's doing because um, so no. so many times people look at that record. Um, well, how many gonna... times have you won seventy nine to seventy eight? Right, right. And it's like you would have lost to every other team in the league that week, but right. for fortuitous scheduling, you hit the one guy you'd beat, or you know, you score 147 and lose. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, and sometimes I'm, that's just a whole year. It's it's just the way it is, and and you know, there there is nothing more painful than that. And I can tell you from experience, um, I have we play in the league together, the nasty where I have a tendency to really have people just pound me on a weekly basis it's like I, I i get their uh i seem to get their best games in fact this year uh, i'm two and two the two games i lost i was projected to beat my opponent by over 40 points um i mean this, then you this, run into a cordero patterson and conklin has two touchdowns and i mean the uh, my opponent last week was slated to score 106 points and he scored 144 because he had <laughs> Cordero Patterson and David Montgomery, of course, go off for 60 points. Right. And, and, you know, and, and so you just, you can look at that and you can get super frustrated and say, oh, I got to blow it up. Or you look at your roster and say, yeah, I'm putting just, up shitloads of points. Right. I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine because I think the other thing in, in fantasy football to remember, uh, and especially so in a dynasty because your your moves are so much more important in a dynasty because it can come back and haunt you if you make the wrong move. Right. Um, it could hurt you for 10 years. You just have to make the playoffs. Exactly. And that's the other part of looking at scoring. Look at your playoff format. I've seen yeah. some leagues, you know, 12-man league, where friggin' eight of them got in. Right. That's all you got to like, do. Man, all I have to do is not be terrible. I can do this with guys I picked up off the wire. Right. And and also I would tell you like the the concept of bye week right uh, if if you play in a league where oh where yeah the, just forget that the first and second place team have that bye oh there's like playoffs yeah playoffs like, right right yeah and we'll go back to that because that's also important but that that idea of of saying like oh, I want to get that first or second bye that's all great but it is not real football it's not like your fantasy players are getting rested up exactly you know? it's just you're just guaranteed to move towards the money right. round which is really right. I like that guaranteed win right it is nice but but your shot of uh of getting just as far as the guys who get that that have that good record just takes one good week for you and one bad week for them um yeah so yeah. you're fine you're fine. And yeah, um, it's a crapshoot. Once you're in, you can, I mean, you can micromanage your matchups for certain things down the stretch, but if you're locked into your players and if you've got yep. a decent dynasty and you're not pummeled with injuries, you, you sh for the most part should be locked in. It, it shouldn't be matchup dependent in most cases. You just got to roll with it. And, you know, yep. Sometimes you take a friggin' beating. I have guys lay a bunch of goose eggs. It, it, it happens. You got, you got to yep. dance with who who brung you. Yep, I agree. And and you're sitting there and you you also brought up a, you're about to start talking about the bye week factor. And and for me, I can sum up the bye week for dynasty football really easily. I don't care. I don't even look at them. No, I, it's it's a concept that honestly, it's a one year uh, concept. Yeah, and I don't even look at it at one year. To be honest, the only the well, only it's coming place... if you draft in two quarterbacks and you know they That's got the what same I was bias. Say. It's like fuck. 
you, you said exactly what I was going to say. The only position I look at when I'm drafting right. and that is quarterback and sometimes tight end. But otherwise you can struggle. Yeah, you're backup tight end. You're probably just as good taking a streamer anyway. So it's it's really yeah. – and you should have – four deep at running back and f- five or maybe six at wide, depending on your league setup. Yeah. It's yeah. You should have enough to cover. Yeah. Don't, don't be, don't be stupid about it. Don't, don't go out and be like, Oh, I got, I got Christian McCaffrey with the number one overall pick. And somehow on the back way, Clyde Edwards Lair ended up there for me. Well, uh, I got the same bye week same this bye, year. Bye week, so I guess I'll go grab someone different now you just gave up this immense talent and and i guarantee you get to that bye week and they're both gone go get jeremy mcnichols for a week you're gonna win <laughs> right like seriously you'll you're gonna get win. through you'll, you'll win way more games having edwards hilaire and mccaffrey on your roster for all but one week than you will skipping talent because you're gonna miss one week it's and just the underrated factor is that's actually really goddamn fun right I haven't had to do that in my dynasties. I've been so well built for the most part over the last decade that that's not an issue I've faced regarding unless it's been injury. But this year, you know, not putting the work into those positions has come home to roost and I've yeah. had to spot start and I'm kind of enjoying it. I, I'm i a little I'm a little bit jealous, actually, of that because um it, doesn't it always seem to be when you've built a really solid team and you feel good about it? Uh, it's those guys who are just scrounging off the poop heap. Yeah, that, that like that, to put a beat into me with Ryan Fitzpatrick, that right. one game that he has good and then cut him. Right, they have that, that flexibility to, uh, to say, well, I've really got no one else, so I guess I'll go out and grab this this one guy because maybe he'll be good. It, he's going to be good. It's it's like it's like when you sit and they look at they're like, Oh, come on. I got this one. This guy's starting Cordero Patterson and Corey Davis this week. And I've got Devonte Adams and Chris Carson. I'm going to crush this guy. Nope. Right. You're going to get destroyed because and the thing you yeah. mentioned there too is flexibility. That's one thing that I had to kind of learn the hard way. Uh, when we started the nasty, what, like 12 years ago, mm-hmm. I like to build ultimate depth and I still enjoy doing that. Cause I like to know that, you know, my fifth wide receiver might still beat the brains out of your second if I need him. Yep. But um, it gets to that point where you get too locked in on guys and you don't have, I now like to have two spots committed to just rotating. Yeah. Yep. And then, I mean, there's been times when I'm like, well, that guy's on the wire and he looks like he's pretty decent, but I can't cut Brian Hartline to bring on Adam Thielen. So you right. know, I better hang on to Brian Hartline in case I do need my fifth wide receiver to get me four points. And yeah. it's, I, you know, you get handcuffed by that a couple of times and get burnt. And it's like, I don't need uh, the fifth wide receiver to be great if I can you know, maybe pick up a starter. Well, and then you can also get in this spot. Um, the better I am at depth on a team, the more I beat myself up for making the wrong starts. <laughs> that's true too sometimes oh. when it's your starters are just like well this is who it is we're, right i guess i guess we're fucking doing this huh i mean i have uh i am suffering that right now in a league this year uh where i have played i have three wide receivers that can that could be my third wide receiver um i'm dealing with Cortland sutton michael Pittman, and Devonte smith 
I got to decide one of those three guys every week, and I will tell you I have picked the worst every week. And, and oddly, it's less fun to be choosing from that cornucopia of goodness than it is to be strapped and having to go pick up James White and being like, wee 14 yeah. points. Like, this is fun. Like, yeah. like oh, I've only I haven't left. The nice thing for me, too, is I always seem to lose by a solid margin for the most yeah. part. Yeah. I very rarely leave a win on my bench. So that's mm-hmm. that's painful. That is that is painful, especially when you know you made the right decision based off of the projections. Right. right. Where where you did the research, you maybe, you know, sometimes what what I like to do when I'm getting ready for a week of football, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I check to make sure where injury stuff is for the most part, except two or three game time calls. All that stuff's flushed out by Saturday. Right. Uh, I set my teams. I look through. I see if I have any decisions to make. And maybe I play in five leagues this year. Uh, Maybe in all those leagues, I've got two questions, really, where I'm like, yeah, I wonder if it should be this guy or this guy. I'll go in. I'll look at a few rankings. I'll I'll read a little bit. I'll look at, like, their last three games, trends. And I will make what I know is the right decision which will always end up being the wrong decision, <laughs> which is, and you just got to be okay with that. Your, your response is, Oh, well you move on and, and don't then be like, ah, that's it. I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to play that guy again because he, he did me wrong. Leave right. him in, leave him in because if he had a dud game, chances are his next game is, is going to be a good one. And don't go chasing what just happened the week before. Well, I think it was actually you that pointed that out to me years ago, is that you look at a guy and you see his stat line on the year when he's all done. You're seeing, oh, you know, that's pretty good numbers. It averages out to 67 yards and, you know, six catches a game. And but that's not how they freaking compiled those. There was big right. games. There was little games. And right. to get the aggregate, you really got to just let them ride. You pretty right. much have to pick a guy at the beginning of the year and say, other than bye week or injury, I'm just going to leave him out there and I'm going to get a couple of duds and I'm going to, I'm going to get the big ones because I'm not yep. going to bail on him after the duds. Right. That obviously applies more to shit like baseball where you've got a hundred thousand right. bajillion freaking games, but the same thing is true over 17. Right. Well, and, and I would say for the most part, all of that stuff that when you're figuring those pieces out, that's in the first half of the season. So when you do right. that, by the time you get to the playoffs, it's either by injury or just volume or experience. That's all flushed itself out. Right. And, it, you know, if you need to make a change there, you've at least got a full body of work in a season to look back at and say, right. all right, well, yeah, they both had pretty good years, but this guy's getting targets now or, you know, however yep. it breaks down. And and I'm going to know by by week one of the playoffs, I'm going to know if I should be playing Devontae Smith, Cortland Sutton, or Michael Pittman without a question. Right. That's all. It's all going to be answered for me. And I'll just put in the guy who's I'll look at five games and say, you know, that guy over five games, his worst was eight points. And and I'm looking at worst a lot of times in those scenarios. I'm not looking at best, right. you know, 60 points. Yeah, great. I, you guy scores 60 points once a year. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, he'll ever touch it again. So it's also watching trends because in week two, when everyone's defense is out of whack, uh, though there's 
players that just look amazing. We'll say Jameis Winston this year, right? Or or Jameis if you're an asshole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I he might looked, be an asshole from here on out. I kind of <laughs> like that. He looked like, uh, well, he, he eats crab legs, so he's fancy. Well, and he eats them W's, too. Yeah, he Get does on eat, in here. Let's eat he, this W. He, he does eat those W's. That, they went against the Packers in week one, and the man had five touchdowns and the lowest amount of yardage in NFL history to get five touchdowns. <laughs> uh, so, you know, um, you, if, if you want to roll with that too, I would say make sure you're also taking out those little weird, uh, weird games where you're like, yeah. man, Aaron Jones, he's a good player. He's going to be the best player in the world this year because he just played Detroit. Like, like, be aware yeah, of the. He gets to play him again. Yeah, twice. So be aware of the anomalies too. That uh, that you know, like we we talked about this earlier with Cordero Patterson. There's uh, there's there's some averaging out that happens after a big game as well. Yeah, yeah, you know that he's going to come back to the mean real hard, right? Yeah. But all of that uh, ties back into what we were talking earlier as far as starting is having the patience to stick with the dude in a dynasty that comes in pretty big with uh, roster cuts. Mm-hmm. And I know you're like the number one guy I consult when it's, <laughs> I got a player and it's like, is it, is it safe to cut him? Is this right? guy a safe cut? That is a, that is probably if I went to my phone and started auto typing into your messenger, it would probably start with, is this guy a safe cut? Cause right? that's, that's the it, question. You don't want to bail too early, but you don't want to chew up that roster space that's eating your flexibility. Yep. No, I I can tell you um, that just just came around and kicked me right in the testicles this last week. Um, Full-on full testicle kick. Um, we haven't really talked about in the podcast uh, here, but FOB, right? The idea you have a, uh, a, yes. a budget to spend yearly on a free agent acquisition. So, you know, most standard leagues are going to use $100 fake money. Uh, you can bid on a player. It gets rid of the your waiver slot number three. So you get the guy based off some random waiver spot. Right. Uh, they will either do random by juggling balls or reverse order of the standings, which isn't always right. accurate. Right. So it's it, it, the, the FOB. We'll talk about that more in the future, but it's really the fair way to do waivers. And I know I it think makes I've, it more fun, too. It does, because I like uh, putting that in and wait, like, ooh, seventeen dollars. You come back, have two beers like, oh, well, let's make that twenty one. I, I will tell you, uh, oddly enough, it, it's made my Wednesday mornings really enjoyable. It has. <laughs> Wednesday is a horseshit day, and it's right. just like, you know what? Maybe yep. I will get up at five and take a quick gander at those Yahoo transactions. Right. Yeah, there's there's nothing I like more than a, a healthy dump at a fob win. <laughs> right? You put way to Conklin right there deep in my bench where he belongs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, we were talking about cutting guys too early, and uh, so – Last week, uh, I have uh, David Montgomery in a league of mine, in our our deep dynasty league. And he's honestly, him and Herbert were, are the reasons why last year I got second place in that league. And I would have never guessed that. Herbert was the third quarterback I drafted, and Montgomery was the third running back I drafted. So they became the the stalwarts for me. And uh, and that league is so deep, as you know, that Jeremy McNichols was probably drafted as a rookie. Um, 
He's he's probably actually been played all three weeks in that league because it's right. so ridiculously deep. It's you know I'd probably have to give a first round two first round picks to get him. Um, but I I noticed that somehow by some amazing miracle a six round running back rookie was available in that league and it was this guy Herbert, uh, who's who's the third string running back for the Bears who hasn't Khalil Herbert who hasn't even been active really this year I think he has. Yeah, let's see. On the season, he has 0.7 points on the year. Wow. And so going into week four, I grabbed him. Uh, just just to put him on my roster, just to bury him, a little depth. I knew right. that. Uh, and, you One know, of those knew, flexibility spots where you just yeah. cycle a guy in and scratch a friggin' lottery ticket. Why not? And actually, I right. got him two, two weeks ago, and he just sat on my bench. He was a healthy and active in week two. And in week three, he was the returner. So I thought, yeah, I'll grab him. Who knows? Right. Uh, and then you dropped Le'Veon Bell. Um, and the reason why I thought, oh, maybe I should get Le'Veon Bell. I've got Tyson Williams in that league. Uh, All of a sudden, Tyson. Well, yeah, Tyson Williams is healthy and active and Le'Veon Bell's activated. And so I go, I should get Le'Veon Bell. I did the same in another league. Yeah, and I was like, I should just get him because if he's good, then I don't have to spend FOP on him. So I look at my roster and I say, well, here's Khalil Herbert. I can just drop him and I'll sneak him back onto my roster. after. Right, nobody's watching him. If Bell's not good. Well, lo and behold, David Montgomery busts his knee all up and he's out. So I, uh, I spent... Long story short, I spent 32 of my 100 fob dollars. Got to do it there. To go after Herbert, who I just cut for free. Yep. And the next day, the next week, I'm I'm paying 32 dollars to have Herbert replace Bell. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm just I'm just wasting 32 dollars because maybe no one else goes after this guy. Right. Uh, some, someone put in a 24 dollar bid. Uh, it, it it was the right move, but uh, going back, there's sometimes you just you got to eat it. And like I said, my personal right. pride for half a second was like, I made the wrong move. I messed up, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna correct it by spending my fob. Um, but sometimes you got to eat it. You did it wrong. Yeah. Go ahead, blow that fob, and 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 hold your head high because no one gives you points for not doing something stupid. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, I think we've pretty much gone over my entire checklist of yeah. stuff uh, sure. kind of accidentally almost. It worked yeah. out well. Yeah. But there is one last thing on that list that I think is a pretty solid thing for us to close on. Um, it does factor in a little bit into one-year leagues, but it is absolutely a crucial key in a dynasty, and I'm talking about character. Yeah. Um, I think anybody who's played dynasty long enough has been burnt by it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of us more than others. I famously had uh, Antonio Brown during the whole meltdown, you know, Mm -hmm. you end up washing your hands of him moving on. Um, But I know the, uh, I'll let you say a couple things and I've got the ultimate example from the nasty for us to close on. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Unless you, yeah, you just want to get to that whenever you're done. Well, I, I, I bet you, uh, uh, yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about that. Who have we, uh, yeah, who have you been burnt by on these? 
<sighs> character Martavis. A... I think Martavis has got to be a big one with you. Martavis Bryant was a character who who definitely burnt me. Um, y- you know, I, I would say this: be really, really wary of a guy who comes into the NFL with problems, um, even 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 as a rookie, like character issues. Um, you, you see NFL teams do the same. When when you see a guy free falling in a draft, uh, regardless of fantasy football or not. They know something. <laughs> they know something. And and maybe maybe that player gets drafted and he surprises people, but I guarantee by year three something freaking happens. Something something always happens and that player always comes back to his roots. Uh, he he might want to impress and be there, but I, I'm thinking you're gonna name uh can can I guess who you're who you're gonna name? Oh, I think you know. Are we going to go Josh Gordon? Oh, he's certainly right at the top. Because we have, uh, I'm thinking of Josh Gordon, and the other name I'm thinking of is Justin Blackman. <laughs> yeah, and then you realize that one one GM had both of those guys on yep. his roster. And and here's but, the funny thing about that. Yes. Josh Gordon's going to play an NFL game to, uh, tomorrow. And honestly, that whole thing pisses me off because now that he lost all of those years and then they're just like, oh, guess what? We don't give a fuck about weed anymore. Right. We just took away your whole career over weed. And guess what? We just don't care. We don't give a single look at that empty jar. That is where all of our fucks are about you getting high. He's got to be like, what you do now? Right. Assholes. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, unfortunately it's your luck of the draw. Like. I only want to ride in buggies, but I was born in the era of cars, right? Uh, which make me angry every single day because, you know, I can just buy another horse, but cars, man, those things, those things kill me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, take your, uh, be, be mindful of that. Who, who are you? Who else is on your list of, of character issue guys? Well, I, uh, I I think Brown was the big one that I got hit with, but that's yeah. generally something I look into a lot. Uh, PEDs is another big thing because mm-hmm. of the way their like sliding suspension scale is. Yep. Like what is it? Like the third one, you're like done. Yep. Yep. Like it's like half a season, and then it's a season, and then I think it's done. So if you've got a guy that's already got a strike on his record, and it's like somebody's trying to trade him to you, it's like oof. You know, he uh, fails one more test and I got a big old basket full of shit. Yep. Yep. No, I agree. I'm trying to I really don't have one that pops right into the top of my head. That's that's personally burned me besides Martavis Bryant. Now, again, though, I didn't have a lot of draft capital on Martavis Bryant because he kind of came out of nowhere. Right. Um, But Justin Blackman and Josh Gordon, those are guys that took a lot of draft capital. Oh, well. Then that means uh, I've got to close it with the ultimate example because you've forgotten the kingpin. Oh. That GM in our dynasty league not only had Justin Blackman, who he took early, uh, like first round pick for him, um, Gordon, I think he got in the initial draft and had to pay up pretty good. But also on his roster was Aaron Hernandez. Oh, man. This poor bastard had all three of those rostered at the same time. 
you want to talk about a team looking really good to all of a sudden being shit and it was off field that you know and and i will say this about aaron hernandez as many as much as he had character issues that guy killed it (laughs) where's where's my fucking tuba uh, (laughs) (laughs) 